Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have the CEO, Andrew White, uh, back from Char Technologies to, to give us an update. Char trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol YES and on the OTC under CTRNF. The company is currently trading at 36 cents with roughly 83 million shares outstanding or about a $30 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andreola. Hey, thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, yeah, good to have Andrew back. Andrew, you've been with us a few times uh, in the past uh, couple of years, and we've been uh, happily following the progress of the business. Um, but we've uh, we sort of caught you uh, a few days after a, a pretty big event for you guys. Uh, so I want to thank you for joining us uh, so quickly after that and allowing us to, to get updated. Um, but before we sort of get into some of the things that are happening, why don't we uh, ref uh, refresh our memory in terms of what, uh, what Char does? Absolutely. And, and Paul, it's always a pleasure. And so we really appreciate the, the opportunity to update uh, your members on kind of what's been going on since we were last on. But for anyone who's new or, or anyone who needs the refresher, we'll kind of do the, the quick five minutes about uh, what we do. Um, so as you can see here, you know, decarbonizing for a circular economy is really the, the basis of, of what we do. And what makes it an interesting model is that we do it in a co-product fashion. So we're always producing two products out of our technology, uh, two revenue generating products. So I'll, I'll kind of explain that a little bit more as we go through uh, some of the slides here. We won't go through all of the background ones. I'll just quickly pause here. This is a slide I've started to put up. Um, one of our two products is biocarbon. One of the subsets of biocarbon is biochar. And these are three different uh, Toronto restaurants that have started putting it in their food uh, products. We don't make food grade biochar, but I think it's a nice uh, visual. I've eaten all of these. Uh, I can I can attest they're all uh, taste pretty good. So uh, there's all sorts of uses for the product. Um, we'll skip the thermochemical conversion. We'll go straight to the kind of what is it, and 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 I'll explain from this slide. So in the center here is is our technology, high temperature pyrolysis, and and all that really means is we're heating things up in the absence of oxygen. Uh, that's the pyrolysis part, the high temperatures, 850 degrees Celsius. So under those specific conditions, uh, we do what's called thermochemical conversion. So instead of something burning, so that's a type of thermochemical conversion, just you know, your fireplace burning uh, a log of wood, we're heating it up, but since there's no oxygen and since there's no source of ignition, the material doesn't burn, it thermochemically converts. So it basically breaks apart into a gas and into a carbon. And so we're always making gas and carbon. Uh, on the gas side, as it comes out of our system, it's called syngas, and we can further take that to things like green hydrogen or renewable natural gas. On the carbon side, this is this biocarbon, um, like I said, we don't actually sell it in the food industry, but uh, the two prime market opportunities there is our clean fire product. So that's a bio coal. So that replaces fossil coal in steel making or uh, biochar, which uh, can be utilized to sequester carbon. So there's an ability to generate carbon credits in, in voluntary carbon markets. So again, just 
basically turning low value materials on, on the far left, you see wood and agricultural biosolids, digestate compost, and converting those into these two uh, co-products, the gas and the carbon. So fundamentally, that's what we do at a high level. And, and just sort of one quick slide here, this is what it looks like. So this is our, our plant. This picture is when the plant was in London as part of our recent announcements. Um, about a month ago, we announced a, a million and a half from FedDev, which was to support moving this kiln from London to Thorold. That move's now been done. The, the, uh, the kiln's in the new location and uh, we're expecting to finalize recommissioning by mid-January and, and have it back in operation. Um, so in kind of the quick, um, the, the last piece here, um, to talk about business models. Um, on the left is a project we have with a client. So in this case, we're selling basically a, a system, selling a project to them, but it's theirs. On the right, Thorold, that's what the big funding announcement was for. That's our own project. That's build, own, operate. So we have kind of these two pathways. Uh, we're either working with clients to, to uh, sell them systems to help enhance their operations or create additional value out of some of their residuals, or we're building our own projects where we're really able to capitalize on these long-term offtake agreements for things like RNG. So in, I don't know, nine, uh, 180 seconds, I don't know where my timer going, but in, in quick fashion, that's, uh, that's what we're about. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, let, let's talk a, a little bit about the projects, I guess, because um, you know that's your, your, your you know your revenue generation is going to come from either selling project or in the case of uh, Thorold um, owning it. Um, what what's the timeline for these things? What uh, what the schedule look like? Yeah, so for um, for the Thorold project, uh, for example, uh, we expect initial revenue generation by the end of fiscal twenty three. Uh, we're able to start generating biocarbon while we're still sort of finalizing the rest of the facility. So as, as, as you know, I've kind of said, we make carbon and gas. The carbon we can make with less equipment. So we'll get the plant making carbon and then we'll be adding the gas piece. So initial revenue is late 23 and then sort of full revenue uh, generation mid 2024. Mm -hmm. and, and ballpark, what, what does a facility like this generate? Uh, what, what are sort of the, the, the windows or the parameters of revenue that you can generate from that? Yeah, so Thorold will be between 15 and 17 million a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be driven uh, around 70% by the RNG price. Mm -hmm. And then the 30% the will be uh, from the biocarbon and, and this particular facility will have a focus on bio coal. So that's metallurgical coal uh, replacement. Okay, cool. 15 to 17 million. Now um, you recently received uh, further funding. Um, I think it was 11.5 or 11.8. I can't remember the exact number. Um, yeah. what, what does that do? And is that sort of what you need to get this up and running? Do you need to get further financing or do you have the financing necessary to, to do what you need to do here? Yeah, so the, the 11.8 um, mm -hmm. was from both the uh, province and the federal government. Um, it's basically 50% of the total project budget that's now covered. Um, the nice thing about the, the Thorold site is that it's, uh, as you can see from the picture here, it's a former mm -hmm. pulp and paper plant. So we're, at, we're not this whole site, we're, we're mm -hmm. one of the buildings on the site. 
And because it's brownfield, it has a building, it has all the utilities, it has all these, these benefits, the uh, development timeline and costs aren't as much as say a greenfield development. Um, and sort of back to my earlier comment, uh, we can get to carbon production with mm -hmm. the funding that we have received. So we can mm -hmm. get to that initial revenue generation okay. with the funding that we have received. Um, so the total project budget is to, you know, get all the way to making the renewable natural gas. So we will, you know, need a little more project finance to get to that sort of 15 to 17 uh, million mm -hmm. a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll be able to get to that initial revenue piece um, mm -hmm. with the money that's, that's available now, which is, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah, and, and I see the slide here. It looks like I can't really quite make out the number, but is it 72,000 tons per year of woody biomass? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, it does, does like, can you source that much? I mean, it seems like a fair bit of uh, wood mass. Um, can you source that in that area? We can, we can. Um, we know we have a, a great feedstock supplier um, who we've got a, a, a good offtake agreement with, a good relationship with, who will be delivering the material. As you can see, you know, we're this this site in Thorold's called the Thorold Multimodal Hub. So it's serviced mm -hmm. by, uh, we're on the Welland Canal, so it's serviced by uh, marine, by rail, by, by road. Um, mm -hmm. So we do have a really good uh, capacity for logistics to, to bring in more biomass. About half of that is going to come locally from things like used shipping pallets, you know, really clean mm -hmm. wood waste. Um, and then, and then the rest will be sourced. Um, but because of, of its location, we are able to bring in um, material because this was a, a former pulp and paper mill, mm -hmm. they were processing significantly more wood uh, mm -hmm. than that a year. And, and actually the building we're in is called the wood room. So it's the, it's the room they used to send the logs into to be debarked and that kind right. of first step in, in making paper. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. kind of, kind of a nice uh, closure on, mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. uh, on the, the site. Yeah. So is it, is it mostly sort of wood waste? Is it uh, the bark and the, the, you know, the sort of the, the waste pieces from either lumber or, or pulp? Uh, yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a combination in this site It's a combination of um, sort of Southern Ontario wood, wood waste. So that's things like mm -hmm. shipping pallets and then mm -hmm. um, forestry industry residuals. So the residuals mm -hmm. are, are the things exactly that like bark. Um, you know, the, the concept that always stuck with me is, you know, we're trying to make, you know, something round from a log into something rectangular as, as, you know, structural lumber. So um, mm -hmm. there's going to be something that, that doesn't kind of make the cut, uh, so to speak. So mm -hmm. it's all that that residual material, and and to kind of put that in another another way, um, Deloitte and WSP did a study for the government of Quebec, and they they wanted to see what the techno economic capacity to produce renewable natural gas in Quebec was, and they showed under first generation technologies, which is called anaerobic digestion, kind of food waste, uh, mm -hmm. farm waste, et cetera. They can make on the order of 20 to 25 petajoules. Now, you know, petajoule, you know, is irrelevant. Just think about the number 20. Mm -hmm. When you add in woody residuals, that 20 petajoules goes up to 140 that could oh, be wow. produced. So wow. this is sort of the amount of, and this is just residual. This is not mm -hmm. sort of going in and harvesting trees. Wow, this is, this trees, is residuals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it gives an idea of just what the production capacity using this mm -hmm. type of technology is. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I, I mean, you're you're using waste product. What happens? What's happening today? Uh, when when companies like yourselves aren't taking this waste product, what happens to that right now? Is it going to landfills? Is it being burnt up? What's what's it being used for? What's yeah, it, it's it's basically a combination of both of those. Um, mm. So there there was a reasonable supply chain of the residuals going to power plants that were burning it for mm. uh, power production. Um, some of these plants are are shutting down, or you know mm. they can't get the power price needed to mm. to make the ec- economics work. Um, and if that's the case, then there's no other home but landfill. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, with with you know, sort of current um, permitting conditions, you know, a landfill is not permitted in 12 months. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's got to go a fair distance, and that puts a pretty significant economic strain on the forestry operators both from sort of the logging through to the the sawmill operators and and the like so um there is an abundance of the material and it really does need to find a home right now um mm-hmm. and, and i think this is a, a fantastic great home yeah. a great way to to put it's a value that that sort of decarbonizing for a circular economy that we like to talk about is it's mm-hmm. all about taking this type of material low value residual waste uh, and, and creating these higher value opportunities out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, Andrew, we saw, um, you know, the, the, what's it called? The Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. Um, uh, what kind of impact is that having in either the interest uh, in what you guys are doing or just generally has it made it easier, harder, more confusing? <laughs> what, what's, what's that done for you guys? <laughs> We'll call it, uh, can I pick two of the three, you know, uh, (laughs) easier and more confusing. Um, So when you, when you kind of delve into it, um, you know, the, the IRA uh, inflation reduction act has some elements that certainly apply to our business. Um, Mm -hmm. The the primary one actually ends up being on the green hydrogen side because there, there's a little bit less limitation around there. Um, they are doing something that I would love to see the Canadian government did. They kind of, in the fall economic statement, tried to do something to, to catch up and, and hopefully mm-hmm. we see a lot more. Um, but in the, in the States, what they do is they measure the value of hydrogen on what's called carbon intensity. So that is, uh, that's actually how they, they do renewable natural gas in the United States as well. It's how much, how many greenhouse gas emissions are associated with the production of that, that product. Mm-hmm. And for us, when we're looking at woody residuals through high temperature paralysis, we actually have phenomenal carbon intensity. Uh, when you look at green hydrogen production through electrolysis, which is how most green hydrogen is made, splitting mm-hmm. water with electricity, it's only as green as the power grid. So if you're making green hydrogen mm-hmm. in a state that is full of coal production, now your carbon intensity is actually much higher than ours because you're mm-hmm. basically burning coal to make electricity to split your hydrogen. So right. the nice thing, it almost, it in a way levels the playing field and, and it levels it in a way that makes it advantageous to us. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that's, I think it's still leveling it because it's looking at what's really important here. Right. Um, right. There's, there's some elements, you know, some of the, the projects, you know, you kind of need shovels in the ground very, very soon. Uh, for those those pieces to apply and then you know in some cases where we're working with you know anaerobic digestion partners um, there's kind of a, a bit of a confusion as to where can you draw the line uh, where can you get investment tax credits uh, versus production tax credits and and for mm-hmm. us it's 
it's the PTC. So that's um, basically a premium on the green hydrogen price based on mm-hmm. the carbon intensity. But if it's on another site, so there, there's some, there's a, a few things to work out, but I think it's a great step. And, and I know, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic that the mm-hmm. uh, Canadian government will, will continue to try and catch up to it. And we'll see kind of a, a push on, on programs mm-hmm. uh, here as well. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing anything else that's happening out there that sort of either legislatively or, you know, economically or anything that makes it uh, is making it easier for you guys? I mean, I think the the, the demand for for RNG now is is clear, um, and that's growing. and And for us, that means we're seeing the price increase. So again, back mm-hmm. to that Quebec example where you know just using organic waste and, and food waste, they can only make 20 petajoules. Quebec needs more than that um, mm. to meet their 2030 targets. And because of that dem- supply demand gap, uh, we are seeing prices continue to go up and they're going up faster than um, just the commodity price of natural gas. So mm-hmm. for us, that's that's a good thing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the the... Uh, bio coal side, when we see, you know, all of these net zero commitments by 2030, by, by, you know, 2050, solid carbon is needed in steelmaking for, for a lot of mm-hmm. the chemistry to happen. So when you look at Ontario, you know, you've got two of the steel mills receive pretty substantial funding, almost a billion dollars between the two of them to decommission blast furnaces, which use a significant amount of coal. Mm-hmm. and move to what's called electric arc furnaces. And, and they'll be kind of commissioned in around, I think both of them are supposed to be commissioned in around 2028. Um, but these facilities still need, you know, tens of thousands of tons of solid carbon mm-hmm. for the chemistry aspect. And so you can either use metallurgical coal, which is going to give you greenhouse gas emissions, which we still believe are going to be priced in, in Canada, or you can use a bio coal, which doesn't generate those uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So there's there's still a significant savings uh, on that mm-hmm. front. And of course, you know, with everything going on right now, most renewable products are priced at their comparative commodity plus sort of a premium for being being green. Mm-hmm. And when you know the price of metallurgical coal, a significant amount of it comes from Russia. And so the price uh, yeah. as embargoes come in has, has gone up, you know, substantially uh, to the point that, you know, we're almost at price parity uh, mm-hmm. with the current price of net coal. Uh, plus we have all these benefits, right? Um, right. And, and similarly with, with natural gas, certainly in, in Europe, the, the price is going up and, and we're seeing it go up a little bit here, but, you know, mm-hmm. if those commodity prices, you know, stay where they are, um, plus the green premium that that is all sort of from a business perspective um supporting that the the case yeah Yeah. gotcha um okay so let's talk about some of the challenges what what are the biggest challenges you guys are uh facing uh i mean you know part of it is is determining how we can accelerate project deployment um you know, and, and it is, you know, we've got Thorold, we've talked previously about Kirkland Lake, which is moving. We've got St. Philip Sand, we've got uh, four or five other opportunities that are in the pipeline. And of course, I mean, you know, being prudent, we're doing them kind of one at a time and we're staging mm-hmm. them to, to balance our, our capacity and, and our capital. 
Um, so certainly being able to, to raise additional funds at either at the, even the project level could see these kick off and accelerate faster. And, you know, it's, it hasn't been, you know, the, the best year for any kind of tech um, mm-hmm. in terms of, of financing and fundraising. And um, like I said, I mean, we're, because of that, we're sort of focused on one at a time. So we'll still get the mm-hmm. built, we'll get it to revenue, but we could be moving a lot faster. And I think we will start to move a lot faster once the, the sort of capital market conditions improve and um you know until that time we'll we'll kind of keep it sequential and, and make sure we're we're deploying projects and generating revenue so you know that's on on the one hand um and so it's 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 interesting because it, it is almost a a game of of ensuring that we're focusing appropriately because there's mm-hmm. so many opportunities that come come flying in here so mm-hmm. um you know kind of balancing that resources opportunity uh mix is, is a bit of a challenge. You know, we could certainly use more, more engineers and, uh, Mm. uh, more project deployment, but, um, you know, that's a, that's certainly a solvable challenge. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, remind everybody that's listening. If you've got a question you'd like me to ask Andrew, just uh, please use a chat function and, um, and I'll do my best to ask the question. Um, okay. Time to take out the crystal ball a little bit. Uh, 2023, um, you guys, you know, talked about what uh, what you want to see as far as timelines for the projects. Um, anything else to look out for in 2023? What 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 should investors really be focusing on uh, for you guys? Yeah, I mean, and uh, certainly the the big one is is the sort of deployment of of the world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think we've done you know a, a very good job at. Um, executing on, on these project development opportunities since we, you know, first started talking, you know, the world was kind of a, a twinkle in the eye and, and mm-hmm. now it's real and we've got the money to do it. Um, um, certainly now that we've been able to announce it and talk about it, um, mm-hmm. I think we're in a position that we'll be able to provide um, investors and stakeholders more frequent updates. Um, mm-hmm. There's certainly challenges as you're trying to negotiate this, that, that, that type of funding uh, to talk about certain things. So it's, re- it's great to be able to sort of provide those progress updates. Um, and so as we get into sort of the end of 23 and into 24 and, and these build on operate projects start to generate revenue in the interim, there is still this anaerobic digestate market and there is still this biosolid market. And mm-hmm. in those markets, we are, we're not doing build on operate. We're basically selling process, selling, selling projects, selling equipment. Um, and there are enough highly developed opportunities there that as we go through 23, I, I certainly foresee a couple of, you know, equipment sale projects coming on mm-hmm. as we, you know, continue to develop um, our own build on operate projects. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the pipeline is, is very robust and, you know, we're, eager to see the, the fruits of, of that, uh, that sales cycle really start to come to fruition um, mm-hmm. this, this calendar year. And give, give us a, an idea of what, what kind of a sale can you make? Like what, what, what's the figures attached to these type of uh, you know, okay. project sales? Yeah, I mean, just ballpark numbers, kind of the smallest ones we're looking at, demonstration scale is on the order of two and a half uh, million uh, U.S. and sort of a, a larger plant on the order of that. I should say a larger plant that we would see coming in the next 
12 months would be in the four to $5 million range. And then we've got some, some larger projects, but um, mm-hmm. those ones I think are, are a little bit uh, further down the line uh, where mm-hmm. we're adding, you know, a lot more processing equipment. And then we're looking at, you know, plants that are in the 15 to $20 million range. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew, give, give us a sense, I guess, North America wide, what, what could be the addressable market? I have no idea how many of these plants or these different systems uh, the, the market could bear, um, whether it's yours or somebody else's, just give us a sense of size if you can. For sure. So on the, we'll start on, on kind of the woody biomass build on operate, uh, mm-hmm. market. Cause again, just to, to keep it clear, we're, we're in the wood, wood residual wood waste, we're building our own plants and in the other markets we're, we're selling plants. So mm-hmm. in the wood space, you know, it's much more what our, our capacity is versus what the market can be. And, and to put the, that in context, we're looking at, you know, kind of over the next few years, getting five projects deployed, those five projects would be giving us um, 2.5 gigajoule or 2.5 million, sorry, 2.5 million gigajoules of renewable natural gas. Um, 2.5 million gigajoules is two petajoules. And, and if you recall, you know, Quebec needs 20, BC mm-hmm. needs 30, uh, California needs 136. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are moving kind of as quickly as we're, we're able to. And, you know, 2.5 million gigajoules, I think is a, is a great target for us. And it's, it's, it's an achievable sort of slightly stretched target, uh, which is the kind I like to set. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at kind of what the demand is, you know, we're, we're such a small component. Similarly on the biocoal, you know, we're looking at individual sites that need 50,000 tons a year. And our Thorold project, when it's fully in production, will be producing 10,000 tons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll kind of need, you know, four to five Thorolds to fully service one steel making wow. client. Um, so on on the build on operate you know for all intents and purposes it's it's sort of infinite for now um mm-hmm. certainly we have ambition to get to the point where where we're actually making you know solid uh chunks of these markets mm-hmm. on, on the equipment sales side um it's also an interesting space because you know we'll, we'll look at biosolids for example you know we're not setting up our own plant. So we're, we're partnering with those that are already managing biosolids and mm-hmm. no one is really doing thermal process except for incineration, but outside of some incineration plants and which are not going to be permitted anymore, by the way. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be any new incinerators. Mm-hmm. The market opportunity there is really how do we manage the forever chemicals that are in biosolids, things like PFAS and it, and, you know, investors or, or people watching this might say, well, why are you doing wood and, and biosolids? Like, you know, wh- where's the connection? And, and the connection is the ability of high temperature pyrolysis to destroy these forever chemicals and biosolids. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's, there's not a lot of technologies out there that can do it. So there's mm-hmm. a real opportunity to get some of these uh, lumpy, but sort of fairly lucrative capital sales in, in the early stage of, of char as we build out our, okay. our build on operate projects. And so you've got, you know, states like Maine that have now banned landfilling of biosolids. Like, uh, so we can't spread it on field. We can't put in the landfill. Like at, at this point, the question is what is done with it? And mm-hmm. high temperature paralysis is one of the only remaining options. 
or you know shipping it out of state and then that gets into all sorts of you know EPA issues as well so um, you know from from that market perspective you know there the opportunities are are significant and, and we're nowhere near sort of butting up against any kind of capacity for market to absorb what we're uh, offering. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely sounds like it. Um, take a different uh, direction here a little bit. Um, you know, sort of the, a lot of the ESG companies, um, the sector itself has been somewhat hit over the last little while. Um, you know, microcaps been hit um, uh, over the last little while. So you guys are, you guys are sort of covering both of those uh, right now, um, what's what does the investor appetite look like right now? I'm, I'm assuming you're talking to a lot of investors, analysts, you know, everybody up and down the, the street. What what's the interest level look like now compared to what it was a couple of years ago? And, and what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, compared to a couple of years ago, I mean, you know, it's not just you know ESG or microcap. It's sort of all tech. You know, I think everyone's mm-hmm. kind of taken taken a hit. And I think, you know, when you look at some of our peers, I think we've actually fared reasonably well. Um, obviously, you know, we, we want to see growth and not um, um, a little bit of a, a flat or, you know, decline from some of the highs, but uh, sort of compared to the peer group, we've, we've fared pretty well. Um, I would say there, it, there's very good interest, um, but there's a, you know, kind of that when's the right time, when's the, the sort of, you know, market going to, uh, really be interested in deploying capital. Um, so I think the, the analyst conversations have been fantastic. The, the, the bank conversations have been great. You know, the, the you know, brokers and, and the like, and, you know, sort of everyone's following the story. And I think we're just kind of waiting until there's a general appetite to start seeing capital deployed again. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that is in, you know, January or, or, or March or, or what, I mean, it's certainly the, the crystal ball uh, aspect, but I think from a, a clean tech perspective, um, you know, I got to say, uh, I'm, I'm happy with our positioning. I'm happy with the, the feedback we're getting from like analysts and brokers and the like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm happy with um, our overall positioning. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have the ability uh, to deploy the world and, and to make these equipment sales, you know, with our, our existing resources. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to keep on that track. And, and when we see sort of the right opportunity with the right um, conditions, I think we, we would certainly consider additional uh, investment, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. we just got to, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately for the speed I'd like to move at, we have to be a little patient. Um, but the, you know, the, I think the credibility is there, the, the positionings there, we just need uh, mm-hmm. sort of the rest of these sort of macro factors to, to line up here. Mm-hmm. Now, Andrew, I, we, we've been talking for a couple of years now, I think. And um, I think when we first started to talk, there, there seemed to be some questions around whether the technology is, you know, ready for, for sort of the big leagues. I think we've, we've certainly gone past that. And uh, it's safe to say that technology is proven. Um, I'm just trying to sort of get the, the the landscape of where the risk is here now. Is it is it really just execution? Like you guys have to sort of show that you commercialize this on a grander scale, or where do you think the investor needs to sort of understand where the risk is here? Yeah, I, I think that's not you know I don't think that's wrong. I think um, you know execution risk 
you know, we've, we've got the world um, lined up, you know, we've got this, you know, with, with FedDev uh, just over $12 million to, to work on it, but, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely it's, it's proving it out. I mean, this is the, the first project of this scale that we've put together. Now, you know, our team have built, you know, much larger infrastructure projects. So I think we've, we've done uh, a lot to mitigate those risks, but, you know, certainly from what is Char done, this is, this is a certainly a step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of the, the technology that um, we're sort of adding in, you know, most of that componentry is, is relatively off the shelf. Like, you know, we've, we've certainly taken the approach of what's the piece that we do well and let's find, you know, others who do all these other pieces well to integrate it all together. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to reinvent stuff that, you know, people have done that works and and that'll, Mm -hmm. that'll get us going. You know, we got to keep our core IP obviously. And and if it's not core to our IP, then let's bring in the best that, that we can find Mm -hmm. out there. Um, And, and certainly once, um, once Thorold is, is in place, then the nice thing is it really puts us in a position to have access to a number of different financial instruments for projects two and three place projects like Kirkland Lake and St. Felicien and further on, because now the real risk adverse, like the, you know, the, the, the uh, charter banks and, you know, mm-hmm. all the other project uh, finance and debt opportunities can come and see Thorold works. And, and that's sort of mm-hmm. the piece that they need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they take basically zero scale up risk, um, which I, I get. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have the world done, they can come see it and then we can have a, a, a different approach to future project development, which will, which will be fantastic. Right, yeah, fantastic. Um, well, listen, I think we've, we've sort of covered uh, everything I can think of. Um, is, uh, is there anything else you wanna sort of highlight? Is there any sort of key takeaway you want uh, to make sure everybody walks away with today? Yeah, I mean, you know, as you as you ask, I mean, there's a couple of things that all play together, but you know, certainly technology, ESG, microcap have all been been hit in the last um, the last kind of twelve, well, really twelve months. It was kind of started with Omicron around this time last year, and then uh, uh, kind of hit a little harder in January. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we have sort of a, a well established story now we've got a good pipeline you know we've i think really demonstrated the credibility when we you know spoke kind of a year ago it was we're going to build boo projects mm-hmm. we now have it funded and we're moving it mm-hmm. forward um, and we're going to keep taking that that general approach the fact that we have this 12 million with the fed dev um over 12 million to build out the world means we get that project to revenue with the money we have from that funding, mm-hmm. which I think is crucial for, for people to, to really see as we get into these larger projects, we get into that uh, really commercial deployment and recurring revenue uh, opportunities. Um, and that'll be through 2023. So I'm, you know, depending on where the, the market is and, and the appetite for ESG, I mean, and if we look at everything else going on in the world, as you asked about, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fall economic statement, uh, certainly what we're going to see, and, and I'm sure what we're going to see in the next federal budget, the ability to raise the kind of government support that we have 
clean tech is not going away. Environmental um, technologies aren't going away. Climate tech is going to continue to be crucial going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, greenhouse gas emission reduction is not going away. It's it's crucial. You know, I mean, from a personal perspective, it's kind of crucial to our our overall survival. But from a mm-hmm. a business perspective, you know, it's there. Uh, it's not going away. So, you know, I, I think we're going to be really set up for a pretty amazing 2023 and I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, well, first off, congratulations on the success so far. Um, you've, you've delivered on what you said you would when we've uh, had our last couple of conversations. Congratulations on the funding. Um, I think that's, that's a significant validation uh, as well. And um, look, it's, it's always, always good to catch up and appreciate your time. And want to want to thank you again, and uh, certainly look forward to catching up with you again, Andrew. And continue success. Appreciate it, Paul. Thank you, and and to you and everyone on here. Happy holidays, happy new year, and and uh, you know I look forward to giving another uh, update in twenty three. Fantastic. Happy holidays as well. Okay. Bye. Thank you very much.